It's Ananya, and welcome back to the Daisy Reality. Today, we have a very, very special guest on with us today, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to you guys. Hey, everybody. My name is Sasha Taylor, and I'm reality of a Daisy girl. <laughs> I <laughs> am so excited to have this conversation with you today, Sasha. I was so excited when I, like, when I saw that you reached out, and I love the topic <laughs> we're going to be talking about today. I've been wanting to do it, and I've been trying to find someone to do it with, and I'm so glad that we have you. I know you, you've had you know, your own experiences, and you have your own initiatives related to you know, this topic as well, but yeah, I'm super excited. I'm actually so excited to be here, so thank you very much, and I'm even more excited about our names, so can we, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we we are. It's like they're switched almost, like a reality. I know, right? It's so great. I know. I know it was it was meant to be. I am so happy about that. You know, life does an amazing, amazing circle. So that's awesome. I love. Thank it. you for thank you for having me here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. So I cannot wait to jump right into the question. So if you don't mind, I really just want to get into the first question right away. Mm -hmm. So obviously, we're both South Asian. But being South Asian means that your perception on mental health is obviously a little different than the average person. I think we can both agree on that. So as a South Asian, what does mental health mean to you? So we're here to talk about forced marriages. Um, for me, uh, specifically, um, a forced child marriage. So I'm going to tell you that the concept of mental health, I, I never, I never thought of that at all until recently, actually. So I've never had the luxury to sit back and actually think about my mental health because I have always been in survival mode mm -hmm. my entire life growing up from the day I was born until basically, uh, recently. So that, that is a luxury that um, child marriage survivors don't get to have. We're constantly in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's something that's such a huge reality, and a lot of us think it's so past us, but I don't think it is. It is at all. Mm -mm. No. Um, and I think what you said about being in survival mode is obviously something that I don't think anyone can relate to unless they've been in that situation. So I commend you on getting through that, and I'm so glad that you're able to think about your mental health now because it really is one of the most crucial parts of us as humans and how we fundamentally function in society. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you're able to transition into that now. Absolutely. And it's, and the reason is my children, mm -hmm. you know, I have two young children and I have to think about my behavior, how it affects their life every single day, just to look on their faces, um, how they feel when they look at me, uh, my response, um, how they feel when I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And just my, my, I mean, I have these beautiful, amazing, wonderful creatures that are around me besides my cat, Papa Frita. If any of you have ever met my cat, you're going to see she's amazing and furry and amazing. Please follow Papa Frita on Instagram. Uh, I love it. <laughs> but, but, you know, besides my amazing cat, my two amazing children um, who are just wonderful and, you know, I have to think of them. They're my number one priority. And so how I live my life on a daily basis, regardless of what I've been through, I mean, what I've been through is traumatizing, obviously, but I, 
have to draw a mental line when it comes to raising my children mm-hmm. and make sure that they have a good life. And in order for them to have a good life, I have to take care of my own mental health and to, and to engage in self-care so that my children are able to have a good life. And that's so important. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Basie parents, South Asian parents, and just don't realize that because I think as immigrants and as refugees and just coming to the United States from just just this subcontinent of trauma, you know, we bring a lot of that trauma with us when we arrive here and we're still living in that PTSD and that traumatic mindset mm-hmm. that that we forget that we have children to raise and that abuse and that trauma continues and follows us emotionally and you know in in our lives and and again you know our 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 parents who arrived here were also in survival mode but they they forgot to look at their children they forgot that they were raising children and you know and and they forgot to see us and that's exactly what happened to me and my sister and my brother and that's why we were we were forgotten and I think a lot of children of immigrants and refugees who have experienced trauma and a traumatic life growing up here in the United States or any diaspora, I, I really think we're like the forgotten generation when it comes to how we view our self-help because, excuse me, our mental health because we, we have never been given that chance. And especially for forced marriage survivors, for child uh, child marriage survivors, it's it's even worse because your entire life is taken away from you. You have no choice, mm-hmm. and you know I you don't get to go to college. Some girls don't get to go to college. I it took me ten years to finish my my undergrad to get my degree, um, and then even in order to get my graduate degree, I had to leave the state to even get a graduate degree because I knew I was constantly being set up over and over and over again in other forced rishtas, forced marriages, even after I got out of that first forced marriage. So it was like, oh, well, we set you up in this forced marriage. Well, the best way to fix that is now to set you up in another one. And that's the same solution over and over and over again. It's like, it's not, it's not fixing mm-hmm. what was done, done wrong initially. It's redoing the same, the same, you know, mistakes. the same mistakes. You're right. Yes. Same mistake over and over and over and over again. And it's the cycle that continues over and over and over again. And it's just, I mean, how, how do you, how do you find time for self-care? Yeah not it's survival i can't imagine i can't imagine how you could i mean i that sounds so incredibly distant to me yet i know it's so close and we don't even know about know that that's so close to us um Mm -hmm. but yeah based on that if you don't mind do you mind opening up a little bit more about your experience with forced marriages and like what what really happened I'm, i'm curious to know so i was um i was a sophomore in high school and I, um, I came home from school. I got off the school bus and my grandmother 
called me. Uh, they lived, I, my grandmother and lived with my uncles and they lived two houses down from us. And she called me and, and she said, well, we're going to have a dinner party at our house. So come over tonight, you know, wear your shalar kameez, make sure you come over. I said, okay. So I went over that night and the whole family was there. My aunts and uncles and my grandfather, my dad, mom, these families, local families there. And we all had dinner. And then after dinner, I have no idea who it was, but somebody put a chair in the middle of the room and they asked me to sit in the chair. And this lady walks up and she just puts a gold chain on me. And then she looked at me and she said, is this okay with you? And I, I just kept looking around the room and I said, is what okay with me? And then my grandmother just glared down at me and just told me to be quiet. And then everybody just started hugging each other. Wow. And that was it. Wow. Okay. Wow. So it, it really just was one day after school. and an That's it. I was a sophomore in high school. And you know what's interesting? That if you asked me what I, well, besides that traumatic event that evening, I remember listening to Vanilla Ice, mm-hmm. Ice Ice Baby for the first time ever on the way home that day in the school bus. Like, that's my one memory. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like, what was your last memory that you remember of being a child? Before it was all taken away from you. Before it was all taken away from you. And it's so, it's so, it's so vivid in my head. And that's all I remember. And it's almost like everything before then Mm -hmm. didn't matter anymore. So you're just forced to That's it. And then everything after was just hell. And people don't realize that as, as a child, you are forced into this you are coerced into this it's you know family families um bus uh-huh. you know we we told them that's it you're gonna do what we tell them to do and my i was told over and over again bus well, we, we, we gave them our word, whether you divorce them or not, the next day is up to you. Yeah. And if, if you're 15 years old hearing that, and so that happened when I was a sophomore, and then four months later, his family reached out to my family and said, well, his visa is expiring. And he was, he was 22. He was seven years older than me. I was, yeah, I was going to ask. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And and his family reached out and said, well, his visa is expiring. Mm-hmm. Is, is my computer making a lot of noise? No, not at all. <clears throat> and then 
I was taken out of school and my entire family and his family went to um, the nearest courthouse and we had our legal wedding done. And mind you, at that time, Arizona was 15. The age, the legal marriage age at that time in Arizona was 15 with parent permission. Really? Yes. And you know what? It hasn't gotten any better right now. Arizona is 16 with parent permission. 31 years later, it has not gotten any better. And that's the whole point. 31 years later, it has not gotten any better. The marriage laws in the United States are horrifying. 44 states in the United States still allow child marriage to occur. So we had our legal wedding done. And so what that means, what does that mean? So what does that mean when we had our legal wedding done as a 15 year old minor in the United States? What that means is that he is now my legal guardian. Mm -hmm. It means that I am basically not able to retain an attorney because attorneys cannot, some attorneys cannot go into legal contracts with a minor. Mm-hmm. He was able to apply for his own uh, visa paperwork. And um, at that time, the minimum age for a minor to get a job was 16. I couldn't even get a job yeah. to get an attorney to get a divorce. So I'm now legally stuck with this individual. But the bigger issue here is that in the Muslim community writ large, the South Asian community and the global Muslim community, the the legal wedding in the United States, at least in my family, it was not looked at as, as something that was important because we had not had our nikah done. So I was forcefully engaged to this person. I was now legally married in a U.S. court of law to this person, which my family did not even care about. But everybody still said that I was engaged. Interesting. Even even though I was legally married, because we still had not had our nikah done. Uh Okay. So I spent three years legally married. Also, when we went to the, um, also because of the fact that the visa application had been filled out, Mm -hmm. he was able to drive me and take me to the immigration officials. And the entire time that we were driving there, he kept schooling me on what we should tell the immigration officials about where we keep our toothbrushes. Even though I was still living with my family, he was still living with his family. Our families had decided that I would not go and live with them until we had the nikah done and until I had graduated high school mm-hmm. and all of that. So in other words, there was some serious visa fraud happening, but because of the loopholes, because legally allowed to get married when you're 15, with parent permission, there is no minimum age to who can sponsor a US visa. It was 
according to U.S. law, all legal. Interesting. Still legal because those visa loopholes have not been closed and all these U.S. states still have um, all these uh, marriage ages. And so I stayed in this marriage against my will legally for three years. And then when I turned 18, when I graduated high school, um, I turned 18 and his family had said that they were going to pay for college. And I'm like a week away from starting. When I, when I graduated high school, his family had told my family that they were going to pay for college and I'm a week away from starting college mm -hmm. and nobody had paid for my college. So literally classes are about to start a week later and we're standing around like, when are they gonna pay? I'm not registered to start college. And my family freaked out. We filled out so many applications for so many student loans for me to start college. And when I started, I'm telling you, when I started college, like it was this, it was like somebody had opened my eyes because I walked on campus and I looked around and I was like, oh my God, I have, I have a choice. Like I have a choice on what I can do in life. I, I can do whatever I want to do. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's, that's when I started revolting. That's when I like truly went into revolt mode mm -hmm. and which made everybody so angry. And, um, and he saw me on campus talking to somebody. I was smoking. I was smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. Smoking is very bad for you. Don't ever do it. I was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> PSA. I, I was standing around smoking a cigarette with my chem lab partner right before chem lab was going to start. And he freaked out grabbed me by the arm, dragged me across campus, took me to the door. And you know what? Let me tell you how dysfunctional my entire life had been that the only thing I kept begging him was, please don't tell my mother I was smoking. Wow. So you, right? the only thing you saw. Oh, my God. I, you know, I look back at it. Am I allowed to curse in here? Yes. I mean, I look, I look back at it. Now I look back at it. I'm like, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know? And, but, so he dragged me across campus, took me to the house. My mom opened the door and the first words out of his mouth were, she was smoking, have the nikah done tonight or everything is off. And my entire family like freaked out. And I cried all day. I was beaten. I cried. I, I'm telling you, my eyes, I cried so much. My eyes were swollen shut that day. And I will never forget the fact that my father came in and he just started laughing at me. And his only words out of his mouth were, why did you get caught smoking? What? Right. And so and my father was like horribly abusive. And, and, um, and they took me to the mosque that night and I had the nikah. I was, I, and they took me to the mosque that night and 
when it came it came when it came uh you know for their turn to ask me if I agreed with this nikah or not I didn't speak for a very long time and what's horrifying is that everybody knew that I was being forced into this Everybody in the mosque knew that I was being forced into this, but nobody said anything. And I didn't know that at the time until actually, until somebody told me years later. And it was a very, it was a very like off the cuff comment to like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Everybody knew you were being forced into this. You were silent for so long. It was obvious. And you kept crying. You wouldn't stop crying. It was obvious. Everybody knew you were being forced into this. And I remembered thinking, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't anybody stand up for me? Why didn't anybody stop? Why didn't anybody in that masjid stand up and say, this is not right? What the fuck is wrong with everybody? It's insane. Isn't that insane? That I'm telling you, like, that's what I say. The silence of this community is deafening it's disgusting i i don't even that's so infuriating it is disgusting it should infuriate every single person listening to this i had my entire fucking life taken away from me and it should infuriate every single person listening to this right now i am 46 fucking years old and it took me 10 fucking years to get my degree i had to take out so many student loans to get my degree. And then I had to take out more student loans so I can get a graduate degree to get the hell out of the state so that like I wouldn't be forced into another constant forced marriages. And then to move. And then when I was done with that graduate school, I was like, oh fuck, I can't go back to Arizona because I know what's gonna keep happening to me. Mm -hmm. I moved to Washington DC. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job when I moved here. I crashed on a friend's couch. And I didn't have a goddamn job when I moved to DC. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how difficult it is to find a job when you move to DC? When you don't have a job? It took me four years to get a job. Four fucking years to find a job in DC. Because it is such a tight network in DC. That's, and I just, I can't get over the fact that someone had the audacity to bring it up so many years later in such a casual way, just saying like, oh yeah, everyone knew. If you knew, then why did you let that happen? That ruined someone's life for the rest of their life. And I'm sure that's made. No, I don't, I don't blame them. I was very, you know what? You're right. Absolutely. It is infuriating, but it was actually a friend of mine who I was actually very upset for a very long time. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is infuriating. And for that reason, I did not speak to this person for years. Mm -hmm. I didn't speak to them for years, but, but recently this individual was like, I, I myself was so young. What, what, what could I have done? Like they themselves were, you know, a child at that time surrounded by their own family. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, and that's, that's the thing. Like, it's difficult to, I know it's difficult for young individuals to know that their friends are going through that, but speak up, speak up. Yeah. 
that's that an advice from an old tired like broken boned young late like woman speak up don't care speak up and you know what there are resources now the power power of the internet don't get me wrong the internet is a shitty place but there are some good places on the internet you know there's the tahiri justice center there's unchained um there's unchained at last there's like so many resources out there now, uh, or as I call it, Uncle Google. <laughs> you can Uncle Google anything. Yeah. Find it. Speak up. Yeah, I think Do so. Do not sure. sit in silence. Yeah. Like the, those days are gone. I when this happened to me, it was like mid nineties. It's not even. No, that I didn't know where to go. Nobody knew where to go. No resources. Like when we we were the the handful of Pakistani community South Asian community in the state, it's time for people to speak up and say that's enough. But it's still happening. It is still happening. For God's sake, UK is three days away. What's the date today? Sixteenth November. I hope it passes. UK is just now passing a marriage law. We are so behind. It's disgusting. Yeah. And I think you know? there's so many avenues too for voices to be heard. I mean, as you were saying, social media is obviously one place, but I think we have the ability, ability to speak up now and not be completely shut down. And I think that's a cultural involvement that's happened over time. And I think that that cultural involvement, 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> I can't speak English apparently. Uh, that involvement, I guess... Like that calls for more voices to stand up for what they believe in and to understand that these fundamental issues still exist in our society. And I personally didn't ever think that I would hear this happening anytime close to today. And the fact I'm hearing this now is extremely infuriating because I've been told, I feel like personally that it's so long ago and I've been put under a blanket and just told like, oh, it doesn't exist, but it, it most definitely does. And I really hope this rips the bandaid off for a lot of people. No, no, it's bullshit. It's still happening. Anybody who's telling you that is because they have blocked it out of their own mind or they want to forget their own trauma because it is still happening. And they're just, they're probably saying that, I'm, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but there are a lot of brushing under the rug in, in South Asian culture because a lot of people are afraid to speak up. Because, you know, you know, what's, oh God, I was just, I just sent the, actually, I, I just texted um, the, the link to my husband and I just said, you're going to buy all of this for me because you love me. Uh, what is it? Um, hate art. What's her name? The one where she's like, I can't find my shut Where's my shut Oh God, she's a, oh. what's her name? God, I love her. And I want to buy everything single art piece because my husband is a big like he's got you I don't know if you can see it well behind, behind besides all the marine corps pictures behind me um he's got wolf green he's got wildcats he's got all of these signed graphic you know everything down here and I'm like it's my turn and I'm going to fill these walls with her art I've already decided because that's about to happen and that's what I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy all of her amazing artwork and I'm going to fill 
fill my walls with her artwork because it speaks to me. It's amazing, you know? Yeah, I love it. We need more we need more people without a filter, honestly. It, they're just like that's that's the real thing that's gonna create change because it's it's been too much of gradual small change. Like it's, it's Oh hell no. No. I, I I shit tweet to all the the Congress the congressmen and congress people on social media all the time. Sometimes <laughs> there's there's sometimes I like shit tweet and then I'll be like, huh, this may ruin my future chances of being a UN ambassador. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> It's never gonna happen. But I'm like, oh, five years from now, just Maybe. Like bite me in the butt. No, no, <laughs> no, it'll happen. It'll happen. If there's anyone that we need representing, I think you'd be. But right seriously, there. though, I'm like, I'm, I'm savage when it comes to this stuff. I, I'm just like, you know what? That's the only way I got out of it when it comes to this crap. Because I'm just like, you know what? Let's let's get real. We're done here. This yeah. is not. This is. This is, this is unacceptable, mm-hmm. absolutely unacceptable. And then we complain like, oh, there's not enough girls in science. Yeah, let me tell you why there's not enough girls in science. <laughs> like, yeah. Can we just get real about why there's not enough girls in science globally? Because like, we all they're all being that. married off, yeah. you dum-dums. I mean, <laughs> come on. And then, oh, there's, there's a disparity in then girls with boys. Well, yeah, maybe if you change that, marriage age where the girls weren't like oh 16 oh blimey nobody's going to the damn ball here come on this is not the time frame anymore of like oh my daughter got pregnant so I'm gonna put a shotgun to the guy's head and force him to marry her you know it's 2021 everybody's got all the options in the world let's get real here mm-hmm. that's not how things work anymore no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I I didn't even know that the marriage ages were so low. I'm glad I know now. But I think that's insane. And uh, I don't see how someone could think that's possibly okay. Like for that that is how it works. And that's what's happening. And that's what girls are being forced to marry their rapists. Girls are being forced are traf- being trafficked, like in the United States. That's a huge problem and lawmakers don't understand that Mm -hmm. and that's why our laws are not changing and unfortunately you have people who take advantage of that let me give you an example massachusetts has a minimum marriage age of 12. wow 12. absolutely absolutely look it up massachusetts has a minimum marriage age of 12. that's so absolutely and then on the visa application, anybody can sponsor. And then, and then there's no there's no minimum age to sponsor anyone. And then you got these proxy marriages happening. You know, the old like, oh, I can get married over the phone or Zoom marriages and everything happening. There are so many people taking advantage of this advantage of all of this. We have a massive problem. We have a huge problem that we need to contend with in this country. That people are just not facing. Yeah, that's insane. I I mean, obviously, we, you know, I, I've always known about this, but what you're saying now, especially about women going into STEM, you know, the way people's lives are being ruined, how all of that's being affected as well. I don't think anyone thinks about that. But that's, absolutely. that's Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm still my all my student loans are actually from applying for student loans so I can get an education, so I can 
get the heck out. And so I can do something like the amount of money that I have spent and the amount of debt that I'm in to try to lift myself out of this crap that I was got pushed into. It's just horrifying, you know, and, and let's like, let's get real about all the physical abuse that the women face as a result of all of this. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The the domestic abuse, as you said, like people get married. Domestic abuse, rape, violence. I mean, forcing children to get married justifies marital rape. We have huge issues. Yeah. It's insane. And I know before we started recording this, we briefly touched on arranged marriages as well. And we were talking about how, you know, there's this very fine line in between that having that coercion aspect as well. And I think a lot of people say that, you know, arranged marriages can have similar, uh, I guess, like similar outcomes where things can turn out to be, you know, unconsensual or it can also cause some level of trauma or things like that. Um, do you see arranged marriages as still as harmful as forced marriages or even somewhat harmful compared to forced marriages? What are your thoughts on that whole phenomena? So I absolutely, I see arranged marriages as very harmful because arranged marriages to me means uh, your parents are setting it up for you and they're just like, oh, here's this person. And that means you, since the beginning, didn't even have a choice. Then again, I'm very biased when it comes to that. So there's still a very much a disagreement in the South Asian community. There's very much a disagreement even in the um, NGO community. There's a disagreement in like anybody you speak to in the law enforcement community, in you know, in society, whoever you speak to, there is always that you know, the perspectives vary. Arranged marriage is where you have the option to say, no, I don't want to marry this person. But that, that arrangement can definitely turn to coercion forced. So there's that fine line. Um, I personally don't like the concept of arranged marriage because I think the concept of arranged marriage comes down from history with arranging of two families mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. tribes yeah. and land and mera beta tumhari beti you know let's get together and yeah. you know come to a hand a handshake and things like that so i think these are old practices that have been carried down and people have become conditioned yeah. to think that these are okay and they justify them so i don't like that idea at all um i completely disagree with them. I think people should be free to make smart decisions and choose the mate that they want to choose for themselves. And, you know, if, if you have individuals who are two people who are happy, who have made the choice to be together and they're, you know, going to be happy, let them be happy. Yeah. And I think a lot of the, the reasons why a lot of people choose 
to, you know, just be like, you know what, I just want an arranged marriage. I don't want to have a love marriage just because of this idea of lo kya gange, which is basically like what will... My sharam. Yeah. <laughs> Where is my sharam? <laughs> um, yeah, but... I lost my sharam. <laughs> it's true. It's it's true, though. Like, it's that... That's the ideology that people will yeah. look at. And from there, they'll just be like, you know what, arranged marriage is better. I don't want to risk... You know, not being uh, good enough for my parents or not being good enough for my culture and things like that. Hi, lo kakahenge. Who gives a crap about lo? Like, are these lo? You know, I I still remember that. I used I used to hear that all the time. And you know what my answer used to be all the time? Mm-hmm. Are they paying your bills? Are they taking care of you? Are these people going to show up at your door and going to take care of you if something bad happens? Or are they going to pay your bills? No. Nope. Who gives a shit? Nope. Like, I don't give a shit about lo. <laughs> and the worst part is like log will always have something to say people will log always, will always have something to say man log there's always something to talk about even if you just think about it you sit down with your friend and you want to talk about someone for fun and gossip you'll find something and like oh man that, yeah you'll find something and that's what every single person who's bored with their time and doesn't know what to do and wants to talk about people will do and what is that opinion gonna do it does not affect your life. It's not going to dictate your life. And I feel like people struggle to understand that because they believe that that's the only thing that matters because that's what their parents will hammer into them. And mm-hmm. it's very much, very much a fundamental problem that I think. Yeah. We some douchebag, some douchebag's going to finish listening to this this uh, podcast and they're going to be like, oh, that girl, Sasha. Oh my God. And you know how much, let me tell you how much it's going to affect my life. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) I'm going to go right back to cuddling with my cat, cuddling back with Papa Frita. (laughs) Not giving a F okay. (laughs) I'm doing just fine. Because you know what? I don't know anybody anything (laughs) except my babies. My two little babies. Exactly. Not even my husband. I tell him that all the time. I'm like, I love you, sweetie, but I don't know you anything. <laughs> You're not wrong. I love this. Have you done my part? <laughs> I love this. Oh my gosh. I aspire to have your ideology. Just, just I already, I already, I had the children. I've already contributed to this family. I made two beautiful children. <laughs> I have done my part. I don't owe anybody anything. My job is just to raise two amu- amazing, marvelous human beings and beat cheese cats to my cat <laughs> <laughs> and that's it because man have you heard her meow at me because she will keep yelling at me <laughs> other than that i don't know anybody anything except the tax guy oh <laughs> yeah irs pay your taxes children they will come after you other than that you don't know anybody shit oh i love this <laughs> i love you you're so you're, you're so funny it's true <laughs> Yeah, but okay, you're definitely not wrong. I think there's there's a lot about this whole idea of people people being like all we need to care about. And that kind of goes into my next question here, which is what do you think that fundamental issue is and what can we as a society do to, together to create this change? Like obviously we can have your ideology. I think everyone should. <laughs> but other than that... <laughs> only care about what your cat thinks of you because she will always judge you (laughs) or he other than that don't care um so 
I'm so sorry. I got distracted by my cat sitting there just staring at me. Can you say that again? I'm so sorry. We're having way too much fun. This is a serious topic, but you know, you you have to lighten it up a little. Otherwise, you'll go insane. I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. Oh, I I shouldn't apologize. I've done nothing wrong. Can you say that again? Yeah, of course. I was just going to say that obviously we're talking about this fundamental issue being of people thinking that whatever people say is more important than, you know, what's going on in their own life. So what what do you think is the real fundamental problem here? And how do you think us as a community can come together to, you know, counteract that whole ideology that we have? I really think that it's because the South Asian community sometimes is really afraid of losing their identity. And I really think it goes back to, if you look at the grand scheme of America and the fabric of America, the South Asian community is actually pretty new here. You know, the Europeans came here a long time ago. They've they've been here multiple, multiple, multiple generations. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the South Asian community, they've been here for a relatively shorter amount of time. And they're new to America, even though, you know, you have all these stories of of South Asians coming here, going all the way back. We're talking like 17, 16, 17, 1800s. But, yeah. but we're, I'm talking like the amount, there's what, 5.4 million South Asians in the United States. I mean, that's a pretty big number and it's expected to grow like mass numbers by 2060. Mm-hmm. So in the relative span of time, in such a short amount of time, this is the most... I'd say we've had South Asians that have been in the United States in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I really think that as a Daisy community, we are really afraid to lose our identity, leaving the subcontinent. And, And it's that fear of losing the identity, losing the culture, losing the religion, losing all of that. You know, you hear that a lot, like, we used to make fun of that in our household all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> my uncle used to say that all the time. <laughs> you know, just things like that, right? And so I, I really think it comes from fear. Yes. If we, if we don't, if we all don't gather every weekend for our daisy parties, we might we might forget that we're daisy. Yeah. <laughs> Or if we if we don't meet up every other weekend for the big parties, we might, you know, our our diaspora community might dissipate and oh no. Yeah. Like, lose your values. It'll be okay. Like it will be okay, guys. Just things like that. And yeah. and just you know, I, I went to visit my aunt in New Jersey once and actually I we went to this dinner party and I was just blown away by how fancy everybody dresses up <laughs> with the dinner parties and I was like oh man I look like a I look like a total lost cause right now with no no fancy clothes nothing I may as well have shown up in jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> it was really sad but I but yeah I really think it goes back to like that that fear yeah you know I think everything is in fear that fear of losing the identity, fear of losing, you know, and, and I think that's, that's, I, that's my take on it. No, I, I, I definitely agree. I think just the fear of losing those values, because then there's this notion of, 
oh, you won't be Desi anymore. You won't be in touch with our roots anymore. And we have to keep that alive. And, you know, you, you hear that all the time. And yeah. a lot of the time, there's great ways to stay in touch with your roots. Like, for instance, I've talked about this before on my podcast. We have an annual, like, Mendy party before, you know, um, during, during October, like, near the Bali time. And I always invite my friends who, even if they aren't, you know, South Asian, I invite my friends. Like, I have a Chinese friend who comes every year and stuff like that. And that helps me stay in touch with my roots because I feel like I'm able to, you know, October's festival time. I'm still doing festivals, things like that. That helps you stay in touch with your roots. But certain yeah. values such as child marriage, a stigma of only caring about what people think, things like that, those values also get, I feel like, blurry and kind of mishmashed into the idea of let's keep our values alive. And it's not really those values. That's just like old traditions that really don't need to be carried out. So I think finding that balance and clarity is something that a lot of people struggle with when they're coming here. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I feel like that may be one of the reasons as well. I, I I don't know, but I definitely think fear is a huge factor as well. No, absolutely, it totally is. You know, when when my husband and I got married, and my husband's, you know, he's a um, Gora boy, and when he and I, <laughs> and when he and I got married, it, I mean, like I had to put up with that, and then I had to put up with like this trauma of my mom and my family. Well, mostly my mom, like driving <laughs> completely driving me crazy of oh no you're marrying this white guy our entire family is gonna be destroyed and I'm like mom it'll be okay it's okay it'll be okay and and like but your children your children are completely gonna forget where their mom's from I'm like mom I'm brown I'm I I remember that I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror every morning it'll be okay (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna look at my face every single day and they're gonna know that their mom's brown it'll be okay and guess what we veterans day my husband's a uh a u.s marine corps vet we went to the kids school and sure enough one of the counselors stopped us and they're like we love your kids because you know we were having talk on diversity and i'm like oh let me guess mm-hmm. let me guess my daughter raised her raised her hand and said um, that her mom's brown. She goes, yes, she was so proud. She raised her hand all proudly and was telling the entire class, like, my mom is brown. I'm like, yep, <laughs> very proud. She's very proud of that. Like, I, you raised, know? I raised her. <laughs> I, like, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's my daughter. <laughs> very proud. <laughs> I love that. See, I feel like people fear so much, and I feel like oh, they do. It's, it's crazy. There's yeah. nothing to lose. Like no, I feel like I, I genuinely saying this as someone who is first generation here. I genuinely love my culture, and I love. I will openly just raise my <laughs> hand. We had a we had a conversation today about a book. I openly raised my hand and was like, well, I'm brown. And my perspective on that is changed because of this X, Y, and Z. And I gave that openly. And my teacher at the end of the day, this is so weird that you're saying this, but at at the end of my class, my teacher pulled me aside and said, hey, can you stay after? And I said, sure. And she said, I really appreciated you bringing your own (coughs) diverse perspective in. People appreciate like diversity here. I feel like a lot more than you think they do. Which is- Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so freaking, oh my God, I'm trying not to curse because I think I've cursed enough on this podcast. Um, I am, I am so sick and tired. I mean, it's, it is a problem. I know it is, but I am so sick and tired of like the constant, like nine 11 
propaganda, <clears throat> excuse me, that everybody constantly keeps using. It's like, yes, 9-11 happened. Yes, it is a problem. Yes, people are still using it for Islamophobia. But you know what? South Asians were living in, the, in America and they have a deeper story and are more layered. And there are so many stories to tell before all of that happened. Yeah. Like there was so much more happening in, in South Asian and all of our lives before that happened. So can we please get to that? And can we please tell all these other stories? Riz Ahmed, Riz Ahmed, the actor, right? Yeah. Did I get his name right? I think Please so. tell me I got his name right because I will be so sad. Because, well, first of all, besides the man that, like, God bless his parents, he's he's so beautiful. Number one, let's just get that out of the way. Number two, <clears throat> I love the fact that he's he is he's saying that he's like, you know what, a Muslim man is more than just your terrorist on screen, more than just it's, he's not a trope. Like, can we please move past all of that and and give deeper parts, deeper meanings, deeper storylines to a Muslim actor, period. And I'm like, yes, thank you very much. Like the propaganda that has been shoved into American society on all sides when it comes to that, I'm so over it. We're over it. Like, and especially like I I was, I was in college when, when 9-11 happened, you know, I was in Arizona State University and it's just... You know, somebody stepped on my food when I was eating at, over there. My the it was my mom didn't leave, let us leave the house for over a month after it happened. Like we lived through it. Yeah. You know, so I've been there, experienced it. So like, stop it already. I know. It's I, just it shouldn't be the only thing defining. It shouldn't you. be the it sh- absolutely it shouldn't it is not the only de- only thing defining exactly. a South Asian community. It's just shitty propaganda that's constantly being shoved into people's heads and I'm over it. And there are deeper stories to tell. There are amazing, beautiful stories to tell. And it's time to move past that. It's, we don't forget it. Absolutely not. Yeah. But it's time to move past it and tell deeper, more meaningful stories. Like, especially of a South Asian woman, we have so many layers to us. We have so many stories to tell. We have so many sides to us and there's so much to to talk about you know yeah. and again like you know on my website I have it like the, the forced marriage issue the child forced marriage adult forced marriage you know abuse um domestic you know domestic violence emotional abuse physical abuse all the trauma all the physical trauma mm-hmm. and just all of these issues that we still, we have so much to talk about when it comes to South Asian community. Um, just ageism, you know, like my grandmother was, was also suffered from a lot of abuse and she was so incredibly ill and she also needed proper, proper care, but they just kept giving her pain pills and pain pills and pain pills. And towards the end, we're like, I think she's getting dementia. It's like, no, they have given her so many pain pills that she's losing her mind. And, and she had so many strokes and she died. And she, you know, I look back, I'm like, wow, she should not have died like that. And, you know, we are failing our elderly. We're failing. We're just failing it the South Asian community in 
so many other important issues mm-hmm. because we're so hyper-focused on that 9-11 propaganda yeah. that's making us define our community. And that's not, that's not it. That's not, that's just feeding into somebody else's shitty propaganda. That's how I look at it. Yeah. No, I, so. I could not agree more. We recently at, uh, you know, we had like a 9-11 day at school and we were just talking about uh, the lives lost, everything like that. That's, that was fine. And, uh, you know, I, my history teacher actually talked about this where he, he talked about the, the discrimination that South Asians faced very vaguely, but then he said, might I remind you, this is not the only thing that minority groups have had to deal with in the past because I, he was, he was legitimately saying the exact, exact same thing where he was saying that, um, you know, he was talking to a couple of us before class started that he doesn't bring it up that much because he doesn't want that to be the only defining factor of, you know, the suffering that minority groups have faced or the things that minority groups have been able to do because he feels as if that almost oppresses all the successes and all of the struggles that a lot of POC have had, especially those who were considered era passing. And um, I think think it's, it's really interesting that you bring up the point that, you know, we as South Asians are not only, our culture is not only like failing you know, our, ourselves in terms of how we view forced marriages, how we view these immoral things, but also how we, how we perceive other, like, it's almost like how we, how we perceive our, our own struggles to be, because that fundamentally just seems so normalized to us to, you know, face all of that. And I think, I think, you know, obviously we are often associated with this stigma of being very, conservative and you know being very um this is going to sound awful but you know being very traditional and sometimes in a bad way when when I was a kid growing up I remember people thought that in India like people got married to dogs they thought that was oh my gosh like it's insane and yeah I think I've heard that I read that somewhere I've heard that before I think I've seen yeah one of those yeah I've seen like one puja and like one random village in one random South Asian village and now (laughs) yeah that's all of every single South Asian country yeah it's insane like that that, and that kind of goes into the next thing I was going to ask you about which was when we're talking about you know forced marriages in South Asian countries and things like that do you think there's forced marriages only in the South Asian culture, or do you think it's just like stigmatized to be only in the South Asian culture? Right. So it it happens everywhere. South Asian forced marriages are happening in every culture, every religion, every country, every um, racial background, everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things where it's stigmatized to be like, well, it's only happening in the third world countries. I know. You know, and or. Or, well, you know, there's the poorer countries over there. Clearly, it's their problem. We're, we're so civilized and so whatever. It's, it's Clearly, it's not happening here. Yeah. Well, that is not true. It's like the patriotism <laughs> where it's like, we could never. Right? American exceptionalism. Oh, but, but we would never. Oh, really? Would you never, sir? 44 states in the United States are still allowing child marriages. Love, Sasha. <laughs> By the way, you are tone deaf because that is still happening. Yeah. You know, and and that's and that's not true. It's happening everywhere. It's happening all over the globe. And we have a huge problem. When I say we, I mean globally, in the United States, in South Asia, 
every, I mean, you name the country, it's happening. Every background, everywhere. Mm-hmm. We have a huge problem. And, and that's why globally, you know, girls help, physical help, mental help, education, their um, sexual reproduction, development, mm-hmm. emotional development, physical development. I mean, you name it is behind and we have a huge problem. And, and it's something, yeah, UN's working on it. They're looking at it. They're doing lots of studies, but I'm like, okay, I, again, my shit tweeting. It's like, okay, that's nice, UN. Thank you. I love you. Keep doing your studies, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's great that they present these studies everywhere and do that, but like majority of those countries also where it's happening also have really bad governments, like, <laughs> which is also why it's happening. And so, and so that's another problem that we have, right? Yeah. And, and then I, I also like post like horrible things of like, the U.S. needs to stop giving U.S. aid money to other countries saying, oh, we're giving this for your forced marriage issue when we also have our problems here. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just causing problems everywhere, oh which God. I'm okay with. I'm a, I'm a troublemaker. And so <laughs> I'm not getting, I am, needless to say, <laughs> not getting nominated to any U.N. posts anytime soon. Oh. And so <laughs> my ambitions to get nominated anywhere are gone oh. <laughs> and dead. And so, <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, no, huge problem everywhere. Definitely. I, I really appreciated that point you made about like women in general are being slowed down because of the rate of women who are being forced into forced marriages, obviously. And everywhere. I, I, and I think that here in America, it's just this idea of exceptionalism where we don't see the problem. We don't want to see the problem, so we don't see it. We decide not to be aware of it. And that kind of piggybacks into my next question, which is what do you think is the like one of the biggest issues that are that is a result of forced marriages that we just choose not to look at? You know, like as you said, there was you mentioned domestic abuse and you know, like girls in general not being able to go into the STEM field, things like that. So what do you think is that main consequence that a lot of us just choose not to see? Education. Yeah, you get in a forced marriage, girls don't go to school. Mm. End of story. Definitely. They don't I, go to school. Even in your experience, I mean, even if you nowhere. wanted to, it's it's hard to. They don't go to school. And the abuse, and they get, and I mean, the honor abuse, right? Mm-hmm. And let's, I mean, that's a, that's a whole show by itself. The abuse, the honor abuse, you know, I was, I was actually looking up, God, what was I looking up yesterday? I think it was, I was on Urban Institute trying to do my research. I'm always fighting with my website. So if anybody goes to my website and there's some crazy stuff on there, that's probably me fighting with my website. Sorry. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. I just refuse to get a professional because I'm like, I can challenge this website. And then something crazy goes on there and I'm like, oh, awkward, delete, delete, delete. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and all the time. And so I was um working on the resources page because I'm like, hey, I'm doing all this stuff. Hey, it would be nice if I had a resources page. Why didn't I think of that like mm-hmm. a thousand years ago? So I was looking up Urban Institute, their uh research, and I was actually very disappointed. Sorry, Urban Institute, I love you, but I was very disappointed in your research. I only found three articles on forced marriage. They do all this research, all this research, 
only three articles on forced, forced child marriage. Only three. Last one was in 2017. I know. I was looking it up last night. And so, wow. <laughs> and so it, it was a great article, by the way. And the 2017 article was um, on salvations. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was like a gold mine. It was amazing. I was like, yes. But guess what? It spoke volumes because it was like, uh, I can't remember who commissioned the study, which I was like, yay, thank you for commissioning the study. But the study was, we want to know what's happening in forced child marriage in South Asia, uh, among South Asians. Mm-hmm. And they wanted it around the DC area. <clears throat> and they wanted to speak to South Asians who had been in forced marriage. They could only get maybe 14 people to respond who would not give their name or anything, of course, completely understandable. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Absolutely. And same thing. They were forced into it. Abuse was there. Never got to go to school. Physical uh, violence, sexual violence, emotional violence, gaslighting, everything. And it's it's all there, folks. It's there. Yeah. It's all there. But as, but as South Asians, we just don't do our own research on our own community to see what's happening in forced marriage because you know what? This is normal. Mm-hmm. This is what you're supposed to do to the girls. You're supposed to put them in a marriage whether they say yes or no. It doesn't matter what they say because this is how it's supposed to be because I said so. I'm your elder. Mm-hmm. This elder worshiping needs to stop. It's bullshit. I agree. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're right. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Absolutely. Does not mean you're right. Yeah, no, it, it's, and I, I guess like there's so much that's normalized too for the name of that's the culture. That's just how it's been. And, you know, as you said, gaslighting, all these things that make it so hard to leave too, because of that huge cultural norm, that's just considered normal. So, and I'm assuming that's also one of the reasons why it's so hard to leave. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, is that like the main reason why it's so hard to leave forced marriages, that stigma? Yeah. So again, you know, you don't get an education. You can't get a job. You, you can't get a job. You can't get money. The control of the money is always with the male, you know, with the husband and women don't have control over their own finances. And the control, the abuse, you don't have money, you can't leave. Um, and also it's, it's that I'm not good enough. I, I'm not able to do anything on my own. Yeah, and right. yeah, you're depending, you're 100%, 110%. And then also, you know, you have children. And then, of course, women who are in forced marriages, 100% are raped on their wedding night. Because I will guarantee that I will guarantee that that's my opinion, and I will guarantee you, forced marriage victims are raped on their wedding night, and also they get pregnant. Women who are, excuse me, girls who are forced into marriages, are always, always, always raped, and they get pregnant right away, and and now you have a you know you have a child. And how are you going to leave when you don't even have money and you can't even afford anything? And now you have this child. So children, you know, women stay because of children Mm -hmm. and then, and no education. And it's very difficult. And also you completely lose your sense, sense of self. 
I, I just, it's so hard to even think about it. I, I couldn't even imagine how one could leave. And especially if, not only if you're not financially stable, but now you're, you're financially responsible for you and your child. And to get out safely without, you know, feeling trapped and, you know, being brought back, it just, you have to fully escape. Like, as you said, you have to completely move out of your state. That probably adds on so much into the financial responsibility that's needed there. And I, I it's just so, I can't imagine how feasible it could be for the majority of people. No, that's why women don't leave. I mean, then my question to you is, you know, how, how do you think, do, do you, do you know of any resources possibly that do exist that could help women leave? Oh yeah. Tahiri, Tahiri Justice Center, Tahiri Justice Center, Unchained at Last. I will send you a list of all the sites, um, the resources in the U.S. Okay. Tahiri Justice Center um, helps women um, unchained at last. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. To all, yeah. The, all the listeners listening in, you know, I have a resources highlight on my Instagram page. You can go on there and there's several mental health resources. They're also linked in the link in my bio as well. So you can mm-hmm. uh, go directly from there if you know anyone going through that or if you personally are too. I just want to put that out there before we continue, just in case someone heard this and, you know, they want to have direct access. Absolutely. And Tahiri Justice Center also helps um, girls who are in forced marriages abroad. Oh, okay. FYI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic NGO. They also work with on, they also work on policy. They do so much. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really, 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 really great. Yeah. And all these NGOs that I'm going to send to you, they also need your support and your help. Like these they're, they're doing amazing work. Um, yeah. And also kind of going into obviously how there are people right now that may be listening in that know someone or themselves have gone through this in the past. I would open up a question to you regarding what your advice would be for anyone who's been in a forced marriage or knows of someone who is in one, what you'd wish someone would have done for you in that situation, all of that. If you're in a forced marriage and you're looking to get out, Um, please contact the Tahiri Justice Center or Unchained at Last. Um, If you know of somebody who's going to be in a forced marriage and they're being forced in a marriage against their will, again, contact the Tahiri Justice Center. Yes, that's it. Contact the Tahiri Justice Center or Unchained at Last. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's as simple as that, and that's good. It's really simple, yes. They can help you. They can reach out to you. They can help you, and... Yeah. Don't do it. If you know of somebody who's being forced in a marriage, help them. Help them any way you can. Mm-hmm. Believe me, it's it's horrifying. This is this should not be happening anymore, but it still does, but it should not be happening anymore. It it I want my life back. Mm-hmm. I want my childhood back. My entire childhood was taken away from me. This should not have happened. I wanted to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to be a a biomedical engineer. Mm -hmm. Clearly that didn't happen. (laughs) Well, hopefully a lot of other people who want to become what they want to become are not stopped by a forced marriage in the future from doing what they want to do. And I think what you, I think you're an amazing role model for a lot of people who've gone through this. And honestly, for me as well, I mean, listening to you, you've already sparked passion within me regarding this topic. I, I've never, if I'm being honest, I obviously thought it was a pressing issue, but not as much as I think it is now. 
And I think just people like you being able to educate other people, that's a phenomenal thing in itself. So I think what you are doing right now is still just as commendable, if not even more commendable than you being the best biomedical engineer you could have been. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I promise I'll keep the cursing down there. I, you can't stop me though. I'm, I'm married to a Marine. I was in law enforcement for 11 years and you know, I mean, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. No, it's okay. That's raw. Hey, that's just raw. How you That's feel. raw, man. That's what you get. No, I, I <laughs> I'm love like it. A, okay. I'm a cigar smoking, whiskey drinking, cursing kind of a lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's my shut up? <laughs> Lost. <laughs> there is none. I love you. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. I don't think they really matter. At this you, point. Oh my god! I wish you were here to see my cat. I'm gonna take her picture so you can see what my cat looks like okay. while she's judging me right now. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Papa Frita. <laughs> yeah. During this little quick little intermission, everyone go follow Papa Frita on Instagram right now. Please follow Papa Frita. It's Papa Frita is not amused, and all those words have underscore. <laughs> in between them. Papa Frita is not amused. Oh my God. She is giving me this look. She's like, I hate you. I'm like, I love you. Oh, I love it. Um, oh man. I think, I think Papa Frita loves you. She does. She does. Yeah. But just kind of, this is, this has been so much fun and this has been so informative. And I really, really appreciate that. And kind of closing off, I think I would just ask you to tell me more about stuff that you'd like to emphasize for our listeners. I, I know you, you're, you're writing a book right now. Crazy. I am. I'm writing a memoir. And um, I started, I started writing this about actually when I first moved to DC, you know, again, it's like took me four years to get a job, four years to find a place to live. Uh, excuse, yeah, four years to get a job. Uh, took a while to find a place to live, and you know, it was just very, it was difficult because because um, I got my master's in journalism, and when I moved to DC, <clears throat> I originally actually I originally wanted to work at CNN, and I had one interview and I bombed. I did so bad. <laughs> They never called me back. You never called me back, CNN. And so... <laughs> CNN listening right now? I know. Are you listening You're to me? You're missing out. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. I don't blame them, really. Back then, I don't blame them. And so... And so... Uh, and it was just... It was so tough, you know? I had... I, you know, I was temping and trying to find a place to live and everything. And, and then I found out that the townhome I lived in was going to be sold and I might not have a place to live. And it was just this like, Oh my God, I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. I just, all these things, there was this one night where I felt so that was like, I remember it was just this really low. I felt lowest of the low. I'm talking like, I, I actually, I called a friend and I was like, you need to come here and talk to me or I, I'm, I, I'm going to kill myself mm -hmm. because I feel so, so low. And he came and he, he talked to me, just sat and just chatted with me. We took, we took a long walk on the national mall. Mm -hmm. And it was after that, that I, that I started writing and I opened up this like, Word document and just started writing. And the first words I wrote were, 
I have come to the conclusion that every woman in my family is, is, I can't remember what I said, but I have come to the conclusion that every woman in my family is, is forced to be, I can't, God, I just can't think right now. I'm sorry. It's okay. I said something like that. And, and I just, just wrote those words on the word document and I closed it. And then, and then I just left it. And then right before my grandmother died, I, um, I opened it up again and I just started writing and I've just kept writing since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's turned into this big giant document <laughs> and I'm hoping to turn it into a book soon. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. I think you're such a character and I think you, you tell so much in such a fun and fun and interesting way to the point where you just, I could like listen to you talk about anything for hours just because I feel like you're such a personality. So I think whenever you come out with your book, let me know because I think everyone listening in right now, including myself, will be there buying your book from wherever we're able to buy it and reading it because I don't know. If there's anyone I want to read a book from right now, it's you. So. Oh, thank you. It's gonna, it's gonna have everything in there. I mean, I, I kind of, psychoanalyzed myself I am not a therapist but I did stay at a holiday and express last night you know it's like I've basically spent all these years analyzing myself my mom my grandmother everybody so that's all in the book so it'll be interesting okay yay I'm excited do you have like an estimated time where it may come out or like I have no idea I need a lit agent first where's all the lit agents at I need a lit agent hey hey I need a lit agent. Somebody find me a lit agent. Someone listening in. If you have a lit agent. Hey, anybody listening? I need a lit agent. There you go. DM us. (laughs) DM. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hashtag email me. (laughs) I need a lit agent. Stat. Stat. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. You have no shut up, clearly. I, first of all, when you get your merch, please post it. (laughs) <laughs> oh I'm going to I'm yeah. gonna do that I'm still gonna do that yeah no I'll, I'll repost it being like guys <laughs> look <laughs> hey guys buy this crap <laughs> because you know we gotta make sure crap doesn't happen no there we, we go. gotta keep that phenomena going that's that, that's the mindset we all need so seriously I need all the young folks to rise up and be like hey y'all we're done here because everybody needs an education like that's yeah. it we're done that's, that's what we need. That's what needs to happen. Everybody just needs to be like, we're done here. Cause that's how I feel like we're done here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All my shit tweeting that I couldn't do and shit tweeting. I did it right here. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I, I'm so honored. <laughs> I'm so incredibly honored. Like everybody, every single one of your guests is like so polite and nice and everything. And then I show up and I'm like, hey, y'all. No, I love it. Oh my God. No, because (laughs) when you want to create change and you really want to, you know, be that person, it's important to rip the bandaid off. And if you rip that bandaid off a little bit more aggressively than someone else. I, I'm like, I'll like, I'll, I'm very aggressive. I'll like, I go straight for the throat. Oh my gosh. It's okay. (laughs) But, but that's the thing though. Like this, this is a very blunt topic and. I want this topic to be blunt. I don't want it to be like a sad entertainment sob story. That's the thing. Like with forced marriages, I don't want my story to be somebody's entertainment. It's not. Yeah. It's fucking traumatic, man. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to get beaten up all the time if I didn't say, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I got, I got a lot of medical trauma internally in my body because of it. I got arthritis. Like, Mm -hmm. 
my actually my head and my shoulder, everything hurts right now. And, you know, like that's another thing, like all the abuse, all the internal trauma that abuse victims go through. So, you know, that whole Desi culture of like, oh, but you go tougher tomorrow. Like, do y'all have any idea how much internal damage you're causing to your children? Yeah. Like, seriously, it causes nerve damage, y'all, because I have it. Mm-hmm. I get fucking medical Botox shots every three months because of it. So, like, stop that shit. Yeah. You know? No. I everybody don't. needs to, like, everybody needs to, like, hey, hey, y'all, stop that shit. Yeah, I feel like the only way it's going to stop is by just being blunt about it. Seriously. Just, you can't just be like, oh, it's bad. Oh, sometimes. it's bad for children if you, like, sh- like shut the fuck up. Like, all this stupid, like, oh, for a motto, but joke. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It, no, it, it needs to be more straightforward. I, and then on I, top of it, like, I'm so I'm so fucking sick and tired of these like YouTubes making fun of forced marriages. Oh, ha ha ha! Like, oh, that's so funny. No, no, it's not funny. You dumb shit. Like, I lived through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like things like that. Like, and the only idiots who who do that kind of crap who are people who've never lived through it. Exactly. You know, and it's not funny. Actually, no, it's not funny. And. I noticed that, like, there's so many people who are like, oh, all these comedy routines. Okay, yeah, I understand, like, there's truth behind comedy, and I get it that we need to get the point across with comedy, but no, it's it's time somebody bluntly said it, like, hey, y'all need to, like, get your shit together, because you know what? You're destroying the future generation, and then you wonder why your kid's so fucked up. Come on. Yeah. You need to hear it from the people who've gone through it, too. I feel like yeah. you can't just... Like when you're trying to understand what indigenous people have gone through, you want to hear it from an indigenous person, indigenous person voice. Then you want to hear the same thing from someone who's gone through the yeah. associated with, you know, being in a South Asian culture. It's not for someone else to make fun of if they've never gone through it. No. So, and, I, I and, you know, I'm sick and tired of being nice to everybody. I'm sick and tired of being the person who's like, Oh, beta, you know? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? I'm Desi. Desi's understand Desi. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's like the it's the way you talk. Sometimes you'll be like, oh, like don't say that. You're just like, why? What? What? You don't want me to say like a a word? Like I what? What? Like when she lucky Giovanni. Do you remember how like inappropriate it was? She lucky <laughs> Giovanni. Oh my god! I if, love that. If, if you accidentally said like the third line out loud. You would have a talk with someone like it's so it's the most <laughs> random things. Maybe hi. It's like oh my god, she's saying she like you, Giovanni. Like it's okay. Like I I mean that's a very lighthearted example compared to what we're saying. But what I'm saying is it's it's literally so common that you don't even realize it. Like ha shame shame like all of that stuff. That is the reason why people don't talk about huge topics like this because even if they say small things like sex, like if you say sex in front of an auntie. Oh no! Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Like oh my god! <laughs> I mean, sex. It's like oh my gosh! Yes, yes. and like, <laughs> I mean, sex is also a synonym for gender. So like, why are we? Why are we oh saying my god. so bad? Like, I I understand that we have you know some some things make some people uncomfortable because they've grown up that way. That doesn't mean that what they're saying is bad. <laughs> like, and it's I think so that's funny. that that's with everything though. 
like talking about you know like forced marriages are considered a shame shame like ha subject they should not be because the whole point of it is that you're considering it that and it's not that at all it's in fact causing harm that is not only affecting our community but affecting individuals in a way that's physically emotionally and mentally abusive and i i think that people need to understand that it begins with the small things like yeah it, it, it saying she like giovanni on top of your lungs like i yeah <laughs> Why should I'm Shiraki Jawani actually not talking about forced marriages and forced child marriages in the South Asian community, especially here in the United States, is causing more harm, you know, and it's creating, it's like, listen, aunties and uncles, if you keep doing that, you're going to create more Sasha's (laughs) who are going to go on podcasts and curse a lot. Do you want that to happen to your children? No. We want more Sasha's so we don't have another person go through what Sasha went through. So Uh, yeah. So you know what? Let's just, let's just cut it out. Okay. Yeah. Let's just cut it out. Hey, can you do me a favor? When you edit this podcast, can you cut all my cursing out so that my mother is not so embarrassed? Because, you know, according to her, she she very much likes it when I speak very professionally, not yeah. cursing a lot because, you know, shut them. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's fine. I'm joking. I don't care. <laughs> I know. I was I was going to be like, I'm pretty sure she's kidding, but I'm just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I love this phenomenon. I love this idea. I love, you know, my parents are, I'm very blessed to have parents who are very open-minded and they, they, yeah. they encourage me to, you know, like to not care about what other people think and things like that. So I, I'm so excited to go ahead and tell them about this. I'm going to be like, you guys are going to love the next episode. <laughs> You're actually going to love the fact that my mom was like, actually when my mom said that to me, I actually threw the constitution at her. I'm like, when I curse mom, it is my right to express myself. And you know what? I can say whatever the fuck I want. Oh. <laughs> she... <laughs> She was like, oh, okay, beta. (laughs) I'm like, mom, when you say that to me, you're infringing on my Supreme Court constitutionally protected right right to express myself. My freedom of speech is being being repealed from me. She didn't know what to say to that. (laughs) You know what? I feel like so many brown parents are like, you must educate yourself. You have to get educated. And then when you use that education and you turn it around. And oh, yeah, 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 right? I've, I've heard that on, okay, this is going to sound such, like such a bad source. I've heard that on TikTok. <laughs> I heard that on TikTok. And I was like, it's true though. Like for some brown parents, I swear to God, my friend, my friend is, she full on goes to law school and then she'll just like talk about it with her parents. Her parents will be like, no, 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 no. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And it's like, no, I know. You, you're the one who educated me on it. I know. It, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh my god! Yeah, it's so true, right? It's like I can say whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. I'm very blessed that my parents yeah. let me say whatever I want, and I'm hoping that there's more parents out there yeah. like that because I think that's what creates a child who is willing to learn from other people, who's willing to create change, <laughs> all of that. And I genuinely think that this whole conversation is probably like one of my favorites I've had so far on this podcast because it's so raw. And I love it. Yeah. I just love oh, it. Ex- almost whatever you want, you know, unless it sends you to jail because that would be a problem. <laughs> oh, here comes the cat. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I guess that I would also like quickly like you to talk about your podcast, if that's okay. Just a little bit. Because <laughs> I think if so my sad little podcast that I started. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to podcast. And then I didn't do anything because I was terrified. 
And then one day I didn't eat lunch. I didn't do anything. I was playing around with the software and I started messing with it. And then I was like, I'm just going to record it. And then I edited it, edited it, <laughs> edited, edited it. Yeah. And then, and then my daughter heard it and she's like, it's perfect mom. And I said, okay. And then I just posted it. And then I was like, all right. And I knew that if I didn't do it right then and there, it would never happen. Mm-hmm. So I posted it and now so many days have gone by and I do, I go on there all the time. And I'm like, and I know it's just me pressuring myself and nobody else again like yeah I'm just it's just me mm-hmm. and I, I actually have the second episode written and I need to record it <laughs> and so I'm I have promised myself that I'm going to do that tomorrow okay and I'll post it tomorrow and it's actually it's a really really good one and it's a great follow-up to what we're talking about here so <clears throat> So I'll post it. Hopefully I'll, I'll record it. It's a quick one. I've decided I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do, um, I've decided that for my own personal mental sanity, my podcasts are going to be probably like three to five minutes long Mm -hmm. and throw little blips to the world. Um, like for example, tomorrow's the one I'm going to record tomorrow is a small one in observation that I made and then the next one I was thinking of throwing some stats out Mm -hmm. about some marriage laws and then the next one I already have a few that I've planned out ahead and just doing a little bit of writing ahead and doing that like nothing I I shouldn't wait I shouldn't say that it's going to be amazing It is going to be amazing. And I, 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 I agree with you in terms of it becomes hard to like post constantly. <laughs> I'm saying that as someone who's going to be posting this episode after about two months. Um, and it's not because you don't want to create content. It's because you want to create content that you want other people to enjoy and yourself to enjoy making. And um, it, it, it's, it becomes a little tiring, especially when you have a lot of things going on, obviously. And that's what, that's what I was actually planning on doing as well. You know, just kind of throwing stuff out there on my Instagram page, if not posting episodes, at least, you know, putting out information or putting out things that, you know, I feel like someone could benefit from. So I think that that's going to be great. I recommend you follow that podcast page or podcast in general and also follow the Daisy reality because we have a lot more coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed talking to you today, Sasha. So thank you that so, was so fun. much. Thank you on. so much. I appreciate it. It was an, it was so much fun. And you said you're, Oh, you told me where you live, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. All right. We'll get together. Whenever you want to come and visit DC, let me know. I got you. Yes. I definitely will. I'll, 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 I'll just like email you like, hey. It's like, hey, I'm coming to DC. I want to see the monuments. We'll be like, we got you. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Anytime. But yeah, thank you so, so much for coming on and talking about this. You've incited a lot of information and a lot of passion within me. And I'm assuming to all of our listeners as well. Um, to all of our listeners listening in, be sure to follow Sasha. Be sure to follow Pop Up Three. <laughs> oh, oh my god, my cat! Hey follow, y'all! Follow, follow her cat. Um, follow her podcast, and obviously stay tuned for the amazing book coming out. I'm super, super excited to put this episode out. Thank you so much for talking with me, and I really, really appreciate this opportunity. To book's not out yet. I still need a darn lit agent. Hey. Hey, somebody email me. I need a link. <laughs> yes, literally someone email her right now. No, I'm I'm so honored to have you on. I'm so, so honored to have you on. I'm so excited to post this episode. Um, 
But yeah, to all my listeners listening in, you guys know what I always say. Make sure to eat food, drink water, and take care of yourself because you deserve it, as Sasha would yell at you and say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you guys so, so much for listening in. I really hope you guys like this episode. I'm so glad I had someone like Sasha come on. And be sure to once again support Sasha and all of her initiatives. And also be sure to follow the Days to Reality and leave some feedback in our dms or feel free to email me with any feedback you have as well thank you guys so much for listening in and i hope you guys have an amazing day bye guys don't give me feedback i don't care oh (laughs) she doesn't care what people say i don't care what anybody says yeah no i love it but i do want to know what you guys what you guys think so I can improve that can improve the podcast but if you have anything if you are pro like any of the things we talked about today in terms of forced marriages, then don't give me feedback because I don't want to hear that. But everything else I do want to hear. I don't want them to be forced pro-forced marriages. I want them to be against forced if marriage. Anyone listening in right now is still, I don't know what else will change you because I think this is the most compelling piece of art. That if you're a pro-forced marriage, I need you to get out. <laughs> get out of wherever you're at. Yeah. No, but against forced the, marriage. The, the mental health and the mental health portion of it and just the abuse and everything that's undeniable. So I'm hoping everyone listening, listening in actually takes that seriously and understands um, how much, how important it is. And also I hope people listening in, were able to take this podcast episode with a little bit of a lighthearted, you know, ability to learn and stuff like that, because I think we kept this very fun and light, but we also had a lot of stuff that was talked about that should incite some change and some passion amongst a lot of us. So I hope that we're all able to take something away from today's episode, because I know I definitely have. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening in and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye guys.